Everywhere you look, in every nook and cranny during this season of life, the flowers are there. Spilling down from a grassy verge, buttercups display a shower of gold for drivers who speed by too quickly to grasp the glory poured out freely for all to see. The flowers you see do not bloom for us. They do not care whether or not we see them. They grow and bloom because they are full of life, because the history of the species impels them to display their glory, not to the world, but as part of the world, because the world would be incomplete without the riot of blossoms which expresses nature's voiceless joy in life. We know they are a gift of grace, softening the harsh edges of reality. They invite us to seek the beauty in each moment. They encourage us to find fulfilment in life and the living of it. And they remind us that nothing is forever, that each moment with its beauty and fulfilment passes on into another moment with gifts of its own to be discovered and savoured. One cannot keep the moment any more than one can keep the flower. One can only rejoice and give thanks for the grace which makes this world our home, a setting of beauty and delight, where we too may be lived by life with nothing to gain and nothing to prove. We too are products of nature's extravagance, each of us unique, mingled together, interacting. We do not become less unique but rather find our uniqueness heightened. And here in this space, this human community, we find the fuller dimensions of our individuality, the richer meaning of our existence, the profound delight of this world and the precious life that we have been given. these opening words by you, Minister David Bumble, they welcome all who have gathered this morning for our Sunday service. Welcome to those of you who are here in person. Welcome to those who are joining us via Zoom from far and wide. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name's Jane Buckle and I'm Minister with Kensington Unitarians. This morning's service is our annual flower communion. Now some of you gathered here this morning will have been to many such gatherings over the years and others will never have come across this tradition before and might not know what I'm talking about. In brief, everyone's invited to bring a flower with them and to place it in a common vase later in the service, representing their part, the part they play in this community. And later on, everyone takes away a flower that somebody else has brought. We'll be hearing more about the history of the flower communion later on. It's a uniquely Unitarian ceremony, a celebration of unity in diversity and the give and take of existing in community. It was created by the founder of the Czech Unitarian Church, Norbert Čapek, back in 1923, which makes this its centenary year. But before we go any further, let us take a moment to truly arrive, to ground ourselves in the here and now. We've each chosen to come here this day to join together in community for a time of spiritual nourishment. We've set aside this time from the rest of the week. We've put aside all the demands so that we can focus on what really matters. So let's put aside whatever we don't need to be focusing on for the next hour. Let's take a conscious breath. 
and breathe out with a big sigh. Let's settle into this precious moment. I'm going to light our chalice flame as I do each time we gather. It's a simple ritual that connects us with Unitarians and Unitarian universities the world over, and it reminds us of the proudly progressive religious tradition of which this gathering is part. May the light of this chalice be a reminder of the shared values and principles around which we gather, upholding the inherent worth and dignity of every person, cherishing all those diverse creatures and habitats with whom we share this earth, our home, seeking human liberation and flourishing, serving the common good of all. May this little light and all that it represents make a home in our hearts, where it will ever guide us back to our highest aspirations and help us be responsive, creative, just and loving in this complex and ever-changing world. Time to sing. Our first hymn is on your hymn sheet if you're in the church. The words will be up on your screen if you're at home. It's for the beauty of the earth. Feel free to stand or sit as you prefer. And in the thankful and celebratory spirit of this hymn, sing up if you can. We're few in church, but let's see if we can make a good noise. So let's take all of those joys and concerns, both spoken and unspoken, 
into an extended time of prayer now based on some words by John Saxon. You might want to adjust your position to get more comfortable. You might want to close your eyes. If there's a posture that helps you to feel more prayerful, whatever helps you to get into the right state of body and mind for us to pray together now and to be fully present in this sacred time and space with ourselves, each other, and that which lies within us and beyond us. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being, we turn our full attention to you, the light within and without, as we tune into the depths of life and the greater wisdom to which and through which we are all intimately connected. Be with us now as we allow ourselves to drop into the silence and the stillness at the very centre of our being. Our words can fail us, our minds can fail us when we ponder the enormity, the diversity, the complexity and wonder of this universe, this beautiful world. And yet we sense more than know that our lives are part of a larger life. We are indeed connected with everyone and everything in one interdependent web of being. There is something both imminent and transcendent that nurtures and sustains our lives and life itself. Something that calls us and calls all life to greater wholeness and harmony. So we give thanks this morning for all the gifts and blessings of life. For this summer's day. For the beauty and wonder of creation for our families and friends, for health and work, for opportunities to learn and love and grow, for the care and support of others in times of illness or despair. But we remember too that others, our human kin, both here in this gathering and around the nation and the world, so many live in poverty, hunger and fear, illness and isolation, violence and insecurity. So many are ground down by systems of injustice and oppression or caught up in chaos and confusion, not of their own making. So in the silence of this gathering and the silence of our hearts, may we hear the call to a wider perspective and a deeper resolve. May we live with greater compassion for ourselves, for others, and for all creation. May we touch each other more deeply, hear each other more clearly, and see each other's joys and sorrows as our own. May we strive to be and become more than we are, more loving and forgiving, more kind and honest, more authentic and open more connected and whole. And yet, paradoxically, may we accept ourselves just as we are in this very moment and know that we are enough. May we face the uncertainties of life with hope and faith and courage, knowing that life is good and we are not alone. 
And in a few quiet moments now, may we each look back over the week just gone to take stock of it all. Many everyday cares and concerns of our own lives and those concentric circles of concern that ripple outwards till they enfold the entire world, all those lives which ultimately touch our own. Let us sit quietly in prayer for a few moments with whatever is on our hearts this day. Let us also take a moment to notice all the good that's happened in this past week. Those moments of uplift and delight, beauty and pleasure. All those acts of generosity and kindness we have witnessed. The hopes and dreams and possibilities that are bubbling up and reminding us we're still alive. There's a lot to be grateful for. So let us sit quietly in prayer and give thanks. Spirit of life, God of all love, as this time of prayer draws to a close, we offer up our joys and concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness. And we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward now to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. And to sing again. Our next hymn is number 13 in the Purple Book. Uh, we only sing it once a year, but it's to a well-known tune. Bring flowers to our altar. Again, the words will be up on screen to sing along at home. And stand or sit as you prefer.
Norbert Topek's Flower Communion by Teresa and David Schwartz. Norbert Topek's mother was a devout Catholic and his father was agnostic. He became an acolyte at age 10 in 1890 at St. Martin's Catholic Church. In the years that followed, he became disillusioned. At 18, apprenticed to his uncle, a successful tailor in Vienna, Norbert discovered the Baptist and became a minister. He founded almost a dozen churches from Ukraine to Budapest. Yet slowly his faith became more and more liberal. Topic left Bohemia under government threat and accepted a call to serve a Baptist church in New York City until one day in 1919. That day he wrote in his diary, I cannot be a Baptist anymore, even in compromise. The fire of new desires, new worlds is burning inside me. Norbert and his wife, Maya Topic, joined a Unitarian church in New Jersey in 1921. World War I ended. His home country now independent, he and Maya returned home to Czechoslovakia. His Unitarian church was the Prague Liberal Religious Fellowship. In just 20 years, his church had 3,200 members. The traditional Christian communion service of bread and wine wouldn't meet the needs of his congregation because his church, like ours, had people who believed in different things. So Tropic turned to the beauty of the countryside, to the beauty of flowers. In 1923, he developed the flower communion. He asked his congregants to bring a flower to church from their gardens, the field, or the roadside. He invited each person to place their flower in a vase. There was the church community, no less unique for being united. Following the service, each person could take a flower from the vase, a different one than they had brought. Tropic was a visionary minister with the church ahead of its time, a bold church, a church thinking beyond its doors, beyond what it thought possible. It was a church that was willing to take risks, to make tough decisions, to bear disappointments, and to build a new way, first by building a church with faith that church could build up the world. That is our church. That was Tropic's church. For this, the Gestapo arrested him in 1942. The Nazis accused Tropic of listening to foreign broadcasts and sent him to the Dachau concentration camp. Even in starvation and torture, he held a flower ceremony with his fellow prisoners, finding whatever flowers they could among the weeds of the camp. They testified to a beauty larger than themselves and a love that would outlive them. The Nazis killed Norbert Topek, but his spirit, courage, and commitment live on today. Those qualities have passed now to us to make them real. What we are about to do is not a historical reenactment of something over and done, but an affirmation of our continuity with the generations of struggle for ever widening liberty. The flower, this flower communion, lovely though it is, isn't a, a diversion from ugly reality, but a gentle fierceness which proclaims that in the midst of sinister days, there is always the light of beauty. We are here not to recall something that happened, but to remember something that is happening, to remember, to put it back together again. And in that remembering, may we put ourselves back together again, 
each as a part of the body of this community. Out of many, one. Today we celebrate this ritual of solemnity and joy. As Tropic asked his people to bring a flower and celebrate beauty, so shall we. Thanks, Hannah. So we're moving towards a time of meditation now. I'm going to share just a few words again from Norbert Chapek himself to take us into this reflective time. Chapek described the flower communion ritual as a new experiment in symbolizing our liberty and unity, in which participants confess that we accept each other as brothers and sisters without regard to class, race or other distinction, acknowledging everybody as our friend who wants to be good. So as we move into a few minutes of silence now, I invite you to meditate on this aspiration, this vision of our community as a space of unity in diversity, where each of us brings our own unique gifts and our own unique needs, and where we're strengthened and enriched by our differences. I hope at this point you all have a flower on your person. Uh, if you didn't bring one with you, there are some spares at the back. Thanks, Carolyn, for pointing people at them. Um, Participation in the flower communion ritual is an invitation, not an obligation. You absolutely don't have to join in if you don't want, but if you do want to join in, you need a flower at this point. I invite you to spend the time of silence holding your flower and imbuing it with your thoughts and your feelings about what you bring to this community and what you receive from it in turn. There will be a time to share briefly about this later on, so you've got time to think about what you might want to say briefly. If you're at home and you don't have a flower, that's all right. An imaginary flower will do. You can draw one. You can look up online the flower you would have brought. Um, and when the time comes, I will put a flower in the vase here for you. So let's take a few minutes now in silence to reflect on our flower and what we would like it to represent. The time of silence when with a chime from the bell, and then we're gonna have some lovely meditation music from Peter during the music. Um, you're invited to come up and put your flower into the common vase at the front. We've got a big one and a little one, depending on the size of your flower. And uh, yeah, if you've got a flower at home, you can hold it up at that point so that we can see it. And I will, as I said, put a flower in for you. So all that said, let's get comfortable, get our flowers in hand. And let's take this time in silence to contemplate.
For the Flowers Have the Gift of Language by Richard S. Gilbert. Speak, flowers, speak. Why do you say nothing? The flowers have the gift of language. In the meadow, they speak of freedom, creating patterns wild and free as no gardener could match. In the forest, they nestle, snug carpets under the roof of leaf and branch, making a rug of such softness. At any tip of branches, they cling briefly before bursting into fruit sweet to taste. Flowers, can you not speak joy to our sadness and hope to our fear? Can you not say how it is with you that you color the darkest corner? The flowers have the gift of language. At the occasion of birth, they are buds before bursting. At the ceremony of love, they unite two lovers in beauty. At the occasion of death, they remind us of how lovely is life. Oh, would that you had voice, silent messengers of hope. Would that you could tell us how you feel, arrayed in such beauty. The flowers have the gift of language. In the dark depths of a death camp, they speak the light of life. In the face of cruelty, they speak of courage. In the experience of ugliness, they bespeak the persistence of beauty. Speak, messengers, speak, for we would hear your message. Speak, messengers, speak, for we need to hear what you would say. But the flowers have the gift of language. They transport the human voice on winds of beauty. They lift the melody of song to our ears. They paint through the eye and hand of the artist. Their fragrance binds us to sweet-smelling earth. May the blessing of the flowers be upon you. May their beauty beckon to you each morning and their loveliness lure you each day. May their tenderness caress you each night. May their delicate petals make you gentle and their eyes make you aware. May their stems make you sturdy and their reaching make you care. Thanks, Liz. So let's just take a moment to appreciate the lovely variety of flowers gathered together in the selection of common vases. I'm going to share just some brief words by Norbert Chapek, which are for the consecration of the flowers. Infinite spirit of life, we ask thy blessing on these, the messengers of fellowship and love, May they remind us amid the diversities of knowledge and gifts to be one in desire and affection and devotion to thy holy will. May they also remind us of the value of comradeship, of doing and sharing alike. And may we cherish friendship as one of thy most precious gifts. May we not let awareness of another's talents discourage us or sully our relationship, but may we realise that whatever we can do, be it great or small, the efforts of all are needed to do thy work in this world. Amen. So we've got 10 minutes or so now to complete our flower communion. We've each put a flower in the vase or had one put in on our behalf. So now it's time for us to each choose one to take away. When you're ready, I invite you to come up and choose a flower 
and again come to the microphone to say a few words um, about what the flower represents to you in terms of the life of community, its give and take, its unity and diversity, what we each bring and what we each receive, the things that we were pondering during the meditation. Um, come up in turn, we'll do it like the joys and concerns, except this time people online just chip in when you want, we'll just uh, speak freely when we're ready. Uh, just to let you know, by default, this will stay in the recording of the service, but as long as you let me know within the next hour, I will take it out before it goes online if you don't want to be in. And as with everything else, it's an invitation, not an obligation. If you just want to come up and take your flower in silence, that is absolutely fine too. The flowers I've taken, I know we're only supposed to bring one, but there you are. Um, is um, This one is from my garden. It's a cultivated um, carnation that I um, planted. This is from Harriet's garden, because I've got them in my garden, a kind of daisy. And the ones in my garden, and Harriet said the same, have seeded themselves. And I've been thinking about friendship. My friendships in the congregation in particular, some of them um, have been unexpected and wild and in the sense that they've, people have come to me just occasionally, thank you very much. Um, uh, I've quite... Um, got problems about friendships um, in my head and others I've tried hard to cultivate it and cultivate and I value them all and I'm also remembering people who have been friends and have sadly died in particular Maureen Cummings who died last year and Veronica Nieder who died recently and there are others whom we all know and how they stay with us still and they stay in the form of seeds planted everywhere. Lovely. Thanks, Karen. And throughout this service, I've been remembering tiny little yellow dandelion. I took a photo of it last year. I was uh, waiting at a bus stop and this um, tiny little flower was tucked in the smallest possible space and doing its joyful thing to be uh, so colourful. <clears throat> so uh, I, I remember that even for this whole year and the effort it made. And I guess it's to remind me and perhaps all of us to make as much effort as we can, even in a tiny space. Thanks, Julia. Um, that's a question.
I had two thoughts while looking at the flowers. One was it's such a visual representation of how the flowers are so diverse, but they all make a wonderful display all together. But I also want to tell a story about why I took the lily, which is a few years ago, a friend gave me a house plant, a, a, not the lily, but an orchid that is the nearest one to it. And it, my heart really sank because I don't have green thumbs and plants just die with me. And I struggled on and managed to keep the plant living for a couple of years. In the end, I gave it to my sister and she said, I've got a friend who's really great with orchids. And she gave it to her friend. And a month later, she sent me a photo and the orchid had completely recovered and it looked wonderful. But it just always reminds me that even when things look better, there's always hope. Thanks, Liz. I love nature and in the silence, the word that kept on popping out, it just said grace. So that's what I'm giving you. Thanks, Rinda. Too many to choose from. <laughs> Can you get close to the mic? So uh, I think you heard it. Big and beautiful. <laughs> and not really chosen, but it just became visible to me. This whole process represents reciprocity. We give and take to each other. And it's all one and equal. What better? Thanks, Michaela. What comes to mind um, when I look at the beautiful display of flowers is that. Um, Together we're better, together we're stronger, together we can all make a difference um, and everyone's got their part to play. Um, I did have something else. Oh, that's it. If we sort of nourish and put nourishment into each other, then we can all flourish. I like it. Thanks, Chloe. My memory tells me that this is the first flower that I ever appreciated. I would have been at that side, the same part as the, as the peony bushes down the right-hand side of the garden that my father grew. I just think it's wonderful that I used to think how beautiful these flowers were, these colours, and, and it gave me something as a child that I could carry right through my life. That there is beauty in it. Thanks, Brian. I chose a flower that I felt I was least likely to choose. 
Um, but I actually think about the the joy that I get sometimes coming to church and seeing, especially Liz's colorful outfits. And this makes me think about that because we can have a lot of joy in, in one another and coming together and, and meeting with people or seeing something that we wouldn't normally choose. So yellow is not my usual color, but it's bright and it's cheery. And it makes me think of you, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Thanks, Hannah. Anyone else in the room? Anyone online? As I was looking at this flower, which is a very a small white rose um, during our contemplation, I was thinking of it as my song, as, as a song, um, and that um, a song like this flower can have a lot of complexity to it. It can have um, a gentleness, like the gentleness of the petals in the flower. Um, it can have a, a core that's quite deep and that you can't quite see, um, as in the center of the flower. Um, and that we all have a different song to sing uh, and to share. And um, that's what I think of as my role in, in church, is to try and share my song and to listen to other people's songs. Any more? Last chance at home. I've just realized I've not chosen my flower yet. I'll have that represent the element of surprise. You just never know what will happen in community. If nobody else is moved to speak, and of course you can come and take another flower during the closing music if you'd like, uh, I'm going to share uh, some closing words for this ceremony by, what's her name, Sarah Movius-Sher. These flowers we have brought and shared, they come in many shades and colours. They come in many sizes and shapes. They carry different scents. Yet all were created by the same miracle. The miracle that these blossoms grow every year out of the divine mixing of water, soil and sunshine. And let us not forget our lives are miracles as well. Despite all the trials and disappointments we may face, we come together every year to celebrate flower communion, to be reminded that all of us have value and all have a place in the beauty of the world. To be reminded that where we came from is not as important as the fact that we are here now. To be reminded that all are truly welcome and all may receive at the table of this church. We all come to be part of something that is greater than ourselves.
Amen. Time for our last hymn now, and it is brand spanking new. It was written especially for this centenary by Amanda Udis-Kessler, UU. Um, it's on your hymn sheet with the music in the middle. The words will be up on the screen as well, and I'm going to ask Peter to play it through once before we sing. Bring a flower. So just a few announcements now. Thanks to Ramona for tech hosting. Thanks to Janine for co-hosting at home. Thanks to Hannah and Liz for our readings. Thanks to Peter for the lovely music. For those of you who are here in person, um, if you want to stay, Juliet will be serving refreshments plus fancy vanilla cake with gooseberry jam and flower decorations on the top. I know, and you've all got quite a big slice because we're thin on the ground today. Uh, so thanks to Juliet, thanks to Carolyn for greeting, she had a particularly tricky job today. Um, we've got various small group activities going on for you to meet up. Still space at our Heart and Soul online contemplative gathering tonight or Friday at 7, where this week's theme is visitations. Next Sunday we've got a visit visiting service leader coming to us for the first time, Eleanor Chiari. Do come along and support that if you can. Uh, she's going to be exploring the theme of thresholds. Green Spirit will be back for the Solstice Gathering on the 21st of June. I think there'll be a gathering and a lunch here in the building. In a couple of weeks' time, on the 25th, you could potentially stay here all day if you want, especially if you like singing. After the morning service, Margaret will be having her regular singing class. Then many voices are here for a Pride special with a guest's teacher. And in the evening, there's an interfaith gathering of storytelling, music and art on the theme of celebrating life, organised by the Spirit of Peace Network and supported by the London District. I've got a couple of save the dates to tell you about, looking further ahead. Uh, last week, I mentioned that we've set the date for an induction service in the autumn. That's Saturday 14th of October at 2 o'clock to mark the start of this new ministry. That is a long way off, I know, but get it in your diary if you can. But much sooner than that, we're going to belatedly be holding a special celebratory service and lunch with a dual purpose. Um, belatedly thanking our previous minister, Sarah Tinker, for her many years of ministry. 
uh, also sort of belatedly marking her retirement as we weren't able to have a proper do at the time. And also thanking Harold Lorenzelli for five decades of music at the church. So that sort of end of an era celebration is going to take place in our usual Sunday service slot on the 23rd of July. And there'll be some sort of refreshments after. Uh, Verinda has just asked me to remind you that Wednesday the 14th of June is the sixth anniversary of the Grenfell tragedy. Do you want to say any more about that, Verinda? Okay. Details of all our regular activities are on the back of your order of service and also they're in the Friday email. This congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday mornings, so we encourage you to keep in touch, look out for each other and nurture supportive connections. So just time for our closing words and closing music. These flowers we have shared are signs of creation's profound beauty, diverse and unique, but related and interdependent. They come to us as gifts from we know not where, and we in turn have brought them to our common altar as gifts to one another. So may they remind us of the grace we have known in this community. Forgiveness we have been granted and provided, love unearned and freely shared, recovery begun and established, generosity unforeseen and most sacred. And may they inspire us now and in the days to come to seek, to notice, to embrace and recreate beauty, to give to the world as exuberantly as the flowers. May the meaning and the message of flower communion be alive in our hearts as we leave this gathering, inviting us to be faithful partners in the creation of beloved community and guiding us towards right relationship with all our neighbours near and far. May it be so for the greater good of all. Amen. <laughs>